The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here, hour number two, today's edition. And uh, got a lot of football to talk. We talked a ton of basketball, NBA. We talked some Wildcat news, local news uh, in hour number one. Now we're going to shift gears a little bit to uh, to talk some football here in hour number two. And a, a myriad of, of football topics to get into from all different levels, from college to pro to whatever kind of professional league you would call the USFL and or XFL. Uh, so we'll talk about some of that. But if you're tuning in here on this Tuesday morning, April the uh, the 19th, 2022, I appreciate you, whether it's on the AM side on 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or on your Alexa-enabled device, I appreciate you choosing the Jeff Dean Show as uh, you have options, obviously, where you lend your ears to get your sports news, entertainment, opinions, things like that. And I appreciate you choosing the Jeff Dean Show as we are live and local every single weekday here from 7 to 9 as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Stay tuned uh, throughout the week as we'll be giving away more of those uh, those digital downloads for The Batman starring Robert Pattinson. We had a bunch of people text in during the uh, the first hour to win those and uh, we'll have more to give out throughout the week and maybe some other tickets to give away but uh, stay tuned to the Jeff Dean show for that uh, we have uh, you know I, I kind of laid out I, I won't I won't really discuss the previews of tonight's game two games I think it's more of just like look we've had game one we saw what we saw we'll learn more after tonight's games the Phoenix Suns specifically in action tonight against the Pelicans I'll have a full breakdown of that game for you tomorrow morning but there's really no reason to kind of get into uh, to previewing it right now. We'll 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 start digging a little deeper once we get deeper into the playoffs and we start eliminating some of the teams that don't belong uh, in you know the championship conversation because that's what we're here for, right? We're here to 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 determine a champion. That's what that's what these pro sports leagues do. I mean, they you know they obviously they're entertained and stuff like that, but they crown a champion. People want people want to know who the champion is. People want to know who the best is, and uh, that's what a lot of these leagues do. Now, one of the things that the NCAA has always prided themselves on, and it's, it's, it's kind of their positioning statement, right? The NCAA says we are here to make sure that a, a team, a school, is fairly awarded a championship in whatever sport they happen to be competing in, whether it be football, badminton, track and field, whatever have you. The NCAA says we're, we're here to, to, to provide guidelines and bylaws so that everyone is on a level playing field and that, in the end, we will crown a champion. That's what the NCAA does, period, end of story. Okay? Now, they've dabbled in a lot of other things, and they've made a ton of money along the way. But now, that money is shifting. It was about a month ago I saw a report that a uh, a five star recruit and and you know for these for these particular um, stories and things like that the names are left anonymous because first of all they haven't signed you know their their letter of intent yet they're you know these are these are kids that are like 2023 class and stuff uh, but basically there is a player that people are familiar with going to or somewhat 
committed to a uh, committed as, as strongly as he can be, I guess, in this day and age, to a particular football powerhouse um, that would pay him. Now, the, the, the school has an NIL collective. A lot of schools do. A lot of schools have gone this way. Arizona has an NIL collective as well as they get to, um, you know, essentially they can market players and such that they have a collective, a branch of people who are invested in creating NILs for these uh, for these young women and men. This particular recruit is part of a deal that could pay him more than $8 million after three years of being at the school, basically by the end of his junior year of college. He will be paid $350,000 immediately. Basically, the day that he walks on campus, he gets $350,000, followed by monthly payments that escalate to more than $2 million per year once he begins his college career in exchange for making public appearances and taking part in social media promotions and other NIL activities on behalf of the collective or third party, a.k.a. the, you know, the, the deep-pocketed boosters at this particular school, okay? Now, does that sound like does that sound like anything that we expected the NIL to be when when this first came? Well, first of all, it was it was it was made completely legal in Ju- July of last year, okay? July of last year, or was it June? Maybe it's June. Uh, sports booking in Arizona was July. Maybe the NIL was June. I don't remember. Uh, the dates are, are a little muddy right now. But regardless, we've known about NIL now. And it's been in it's been in full form, and we've we've seen schools and players just cash in, take off on this. And schools have gotten very creative in what they do in offering NIL to their players. And we've seen Arizona players, uh, you, you know, we we've seen uh, you know several you know players, both men and women, sign some pretty lucrative NIL deals uh, at Arizona. Um, you know, they they've done pretty well for themselves. Some of these numbers, though, folks, are getting out of hand. Now, Nick Saban talked about it, I think it was like a week ago. Dabo Sweeney, head coach at Clemson, mentioned something a few weeks ago, basically saying, like, this is not something that I'm comfortable with. We're getting into a realm of you're paying for players, which has always been frowned upon and, again, not illegal, (laughs) but according to NCAA bylaws, you can't do it. it. You become you become ineligible for these championships, for wins and such like that, once you've broken these rules. And coaches have been fired, obviously, and left and right, and there's been all kinds of sanctions and NCAA punishments handed out and all these other things, okay, for paying for players. But because of that, because of the, the, uh, the uh, Supreme Court case, right, NCAA versus Alston, the Supreme Court gave a unanimous decision in favor of – Alston's in the you know in the in that case, basically the NCAA is kind of left. They can't they can't really take aggressive action in limiting the compensation of these players. Now, the eight million dollars a eight million dollar deal that's outrageous. Uh, first of all, you know that's not going to be every every player at every position at you know at every school and things like that. This is a you know, a quarterback at a an elite school that could be paid by you know by the time it's all said and done, eight million dollars. 
There are other players, though, and these are, you know, one's a four-star receiver who has an NIL deal with a collective at a university that will pay him more than $1 million over the next four years in exchange for his exclusive NIL rights. There's another a defensive lineman who is one of the top players at his position. He is going to be – he's been offered a three-year uh, $1 million deal to have exclusive NIL rights with the collective is what they're calling them. Um, there, you know, there's, there's all kinds of, of you know, different ways you can shave this. But here's the real problem with this. And Nick Saban said this. You know, he, he, he did, a, he did a, uh, an interview and told the Associated Press that, quote, NIL creates a situation where you can basically buy players. You can do it in recruiting. I mean, if that's what we want college football to be, I don't know. And I, I, can't, I can't argue with him. I don't want there to be a situation where schools are buying players. So this – Check this out. This is something that I that I heard, uh, and and I don't I don't I won't name the player. Okay, I will name the schools though because it's a very unique situation. USC does not have a collective. Okay, USC they allow players to you know to seek NIL, but because of the institution that they are, uh, UCLA does not have a collective either. By the way, but USC for this particular example does not have a collective. A, a, uh, a, a, for the, for, you know, if you're not understanding what I'm saying, a collective is basically a group of boosters who have money to buy players. And what the school does is they receive the money from these boosters, and then the school turns around and they market the player exclusively. The, the player can't go out and sign a deal with you know, Gatorade or whoever. They can only do promotions and name, image, and likeness uh, marketing with the school via this collective that is paying the players. Okay, so when I say collective, that's what I mean. Okay, there was a there was a player who, um, uh, I, okay, I'll say the player's name. His name's Josh Connerly. Okay, he's an offensive lineman. He is one of the highest rated players in the class, regardless of position. Okay, Josh Connerly. He's from Seattle, Washington. He is. One of he's, I think he's the second highest rated offensive lineman in the class and one of the highest rated players overall in the class. He was, I mean, he, he was basically signed, sealed, and delivered to USC. And then all of a sudden, he switched course. He diverted, and now he's going to Oregon. And I, I'll give you one guess who's leading up the collective at Oregon. It's a... Uh, it's an organization called Division Street, and it is headed by mega booster Phil Knight. He is the one that is funneling all the money into this particular collective. So Division Street steps in, and they say, look, we're going to offer you a, a deal, exclusive rights with the University of Oregon to come in here. We'll give you NIL rights for X amount of millions of dollars to uh, to come and play – not to come and play football, to come and be a student at the University of Oregon, okay? Because you can't – the stipulation in the Supreme Court case was that the, the player cannot be paid explicitly to come and play football. They, they have to be a student, okay? So the way these deals are being written, and there's a lawyer that does these all the time. Like he's like one of the leading guys in the industry. He's signed – Dozens of players to very, very lucrative NIL deals 
And in the contracts, it says there's nothing in there that says they have to play football to get this money. They just need to attend school. <laughs> so the players can also be like, oh, uh, get my money. And it doesn't say in, my, in the contract that I have to play football, although that would probably not go over too well. I'm sure there are other things in that contract that state that playing football would be an advantage uh, to the player, regardless. So Lincoln Riley has this recruit, essentially. He's coming to USC, and Phil Knight steps in and says, we'll give you $3 million to come to Oregon. How is that not buying players? <laughs> like, how is that not circumventing the bylaws of the NCAA? And the bigger question is, is it right? Do you want this happening in college football? Do you want players making $3 million before they go to the NFL? Or $8 million, as reported by a quarterback for the 2023 class at a very elite football school. There was, I was talking to someone, this was, uh, this was earlier this year. And they were talking with a recruit's parents, okay? And I won't, I won't, tell, I won't tell you the sport, and I'm not going to tell you the school, because these are, these are confidential conversations that I have with people. This particular person told me that they were recruiting a player and was talking to the parents about this player. And they were, they were ready to go. They were sold on the, on the program. They were sold on everything about this. They, they loved the coach. They loved the facilities. They loved everything. And on the day before the player was to commit and or sign, okay, they were talking with the parents, and the parents said, we received an offer for X amount of dollars, okay, $350,000, okay? So some school steps in and says, we're going to give your son exclusive NIL rights with our collective to make $350,000 in the first two years of his attendance at this university. The parents on the phone with this coach of this particular program says, you know, how do we turn down $350,000? And the coach is like, well, you can't. <laughs> I mean, look, that's, that's good money. And knowing what this family's means were, okay, $350,000 is life-changing for that family. Life change, life altering money for that particular family. And the player reversed course and they sent him off to a school where he's going to make money for his family. Now, while I don't mind there being more money to spread around and, and, and opportunities to better your family, better yourself, I am all for that, 100%. But what you have are rich men, okay, rich men and women who are buying players for their favorite programs. They're saying, I have enough money to influence the outcomes of games, and I'm going to do it. Because that is like the ultimate in fantasy football, right? It's no longer a fantasy. It's real. Imagine you're a person with a lucrative business in a college town, and you have the ability, because there is now a collective, a, 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 an open line of... of financial interchange, okay, between you, the school that you attended or the school that you root for, and the players that they bring in to play for that, for that school, that program. You get to dabble in who they bring in, the players they bring in. 
you can say my company is going to put, you know, we're going to budget $2 million over the next five years into this collective for you to go and get players. And you can dip into this, this pool of money to get the players that you want, but we have to approve who they are. Like, you're literally playing fantasy football. For real. Is that good for the sport? Is that something that we want from college football? Is that how we want college football to go in the years to come? Where guys like, you know, this this incredibly talented wide receiver that that plays for IMG Academy in Florida um, was, was basically signed, sealed, and delivered to an elite school in the Midwest, elite football school in the Midwest made a visit to an SEC school, and all of a sudden says, I've changed my mind, I'm going to this SEC school, who has a collective, when the other school does not. Now, there are plenty of schools out there that say, we're not going to do business that way. Like I said, USC does not have a collective. UCLA does not have a collective. There are some other big schools out there. Notre Dame has one, but it's charity. Very Notre Dame of them. <laughs> right? Michigan They've said they're not going to go down that path. They're going to stay traditional. They're not going to do things that way. And there are plenty of other schools that have that have followed suit with that. So you have kind of, you know, schools like Oregon, Tennessee, Ole Miss, uh, you know, a myriad of others, okay, Miami, tons of other schools out there that have a lot of money in their fan base, a lot of money, that are buying players for their programs. It's going to change the landscape of college football. And I don't think it's going to change for the better, folks. When you are talking about look, when we when we discussed this three years ago, we were talking about NAL, I didn't think and I look, I've got complete egg on my face because of how I predicted the NIL trajectory to go. I said, look, it's not gonna change it's not gonna change these players' lives. They're not gonna give they're not gonna get life altering money for their families. We're not talking about millions of dollars. We're probably not even talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. We're talking about, you know, a player, a, a five-star quarterback. And this was me three years ago. We're talking about a five-star quarterback, you know, maybe making $50,000 doing, you know, ads for, you know, the local car dealership. You know, come on down to Jimmy Bob's Ford and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. <laughs> $8 million to attend school to play football. $3 million in three years. And the player that I'm familiar with was offered $350,000 to change course to come, and play, to, to come and play a sport at a particular school for two years as opposed to going to another one who didn't offer him any money up front, didn't offer the family any money, don't have the, the budget through any kind of collective to be able to offer that kind of money, but have one hell of a program and have the ability to win and play <laughs> it's it's a it's a very 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 slippery slope folks we are we are dancing on this right now and and look I'm kind of with I'm kind of where Dabo Sweeney and and Lincoln Riley new head coach at USC they both are kind of in agreement that eventually things are going to things are going to balance themselves out that right now we are seeing this this ridiculous surge, and eventually things will balance themselves out. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to use one school as an, exa- an example because 
they have been they have been mentioned in several articles that I have read and things that I have been familiar with. Tennessee, they have a large collective. It's called On Three. Okay. They they have a large collective that has paid for a lot of players to go play football there. They have been dying for another national championship in Knoxville. Dying for it. I I've been there. I've been on campus. I've been to games. That's all anybody ever talks about is winning the. When are we going to win another championship? We got to win another one. They are gagging for it, and they are spending millions of dollars, millions, to bring in players. If if Tennessee at some point in time over the next four or five years, if they cash in a chip, if they win a national championship, all bets are off. Because at that point, it proves that you can buy a national championship in college football, which is worth a hell of a lot more than some company putting up $8 million in budgets for, you know, for NIL collectives and for, for NIL marketing. Because once you cash in a championship and you become a national power, now all kinds of doors have opened for you. The red carpet gets folded out for you. There are rose petals showered at your feet as you're walking. Recruits are jumping over one another to get a part of your program. There are advertisers throwing money at you. Me first, me first, me first. Everybody wants to put you on television. That, that money, it's, it, it, it explodes as soon as you win a national championship. And if you do it in the SEC where you can beat the likes of Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Florida, whatever have you, not, not saying that Tennessee is an also-ran, but they haven't been anywhere near a championship in two decades. Changes everything. And these NIL collectives that are throwing millions of dollars at recruits could completely change the landscape of college football because at that point, it won't level itself out. It, we're not talking about a, a situation that is going to balance itself because you'd have a team that then bought a championship. And I'm telling you, folks, in college football, once you get that championship, it's it's on. Like, you are good to go. Just start writing checks, man, because you you're guaranteed to have that check. You're guaranteed to have that money covered. Don't even worry, just write a check for whatever, because we know that there's more coming in than there is going out. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it, is, it is a dangerous a dangerous time right now for college football. When I see numbers like I'm seeing and things that I'm hearing, I don't like it. I don't like it at all, man. Like, this is not, this is not a, it is a business, but it is not a business, if you, if you will. I don't look at it that way. I never have, and I never will. But, as they say, got to do business as business is being done. Who will step up? Who will be next? Will this balance itself out? Will traditional power, like, honestly, like, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. The best thing that could happen is for a team like USC to win a national championship the traditional way without having these gigantic NIL payouts and collectives and such, allowing the players to go out and seek their own type of marketing, their own NIL opportunities. With some help from the university, they'll give them some guidance. Like, hey, you know, we have a stable of preferred uh, marketers and and advertisers that you can deal with. I mean, I've been in business like that before. My business has done things like that where we've been a preferred vendor, if you will, of another company. So, um, you know, they'll go that with it. I mean, like a a school like USC winning a championship would change things. It would help to balance out, you know, the, the landscape a little bit. But until that happens, or if it happens, you're going to see teams just 
starting to throw money at recruits, and it's buying players, and they can do it legally because our Supreme Court said they can. <laughs> and the NCAA can't do diddly squat about it. All right. I'm going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll talk some NFL. What's going on in the, uh, in the actual pro game? And will the XFL unseat the USFL? I mean, this is something we're already talking about after one weekend of USFL action that was boring. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, Tom Brady gave an interview, air quotes, interview, with ESPN's Tom Van Heron the other day. And it was an exclusive interview, which basically was more like a Tom Brady-controlled infomercial for the several of Brady's business ventures that he has going on. And look, look, the, Tom Brady is going to be a multi-multi-billionaire the day that he retires from the NFL. Because, I mean, he already is kind of already there, but he's got he, – he, he's got – his hands in so many pies right now. Like he is, he's got Bitcoin trading going on. He's got autograph. He's got his memorabilia company called autograph. They're selling NFTs. I've heard for, you know, tens of thousands of dollars left and right, like all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, he's got Brady brand. He's got TB 12, the health, uh, the health brand that he has. It is, <laughs> it, I mean, it, like he, he's got, so many things going on that are his, like his create solely created in his name, like his stuff going on. It's not, it's not like, you know, Shaquille O'Neal buying a bunch of pizza huts or whatever. It's Tom Brady branded stuff. And this interview that he did with Tom Van Heron didn't address anything about his, you know, the, 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 you know, the retirement decision or what caused the retirement decision, what caused him to come back. Was there any influence in his returning on Bruce Arians, uh, resigning, or suddenly resigning from his position as head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Was there any truth to the rumors that he was going to be a minority owner of the Miami Dolphins, would then hire Sean Payton to be the head coach and put himself in as the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins? Like, none of that stuff was asked. It was basically like, tell us about, your new Brady brand golf attire uh, and golf equipment. And tell us about this this um, Man in the Arena documentary series. And it was, oh, by the way, we have ESPN's first ever NFT offering brought to you by Brady's memorabilia company, Autograph. Like, it was gross. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, can we can we just pump this guy any more than we already are? Like, so, he, you know, he's in cahoots with ESPN, and you got to be. Like, that's if, if you're going to be in the world of sports and you want to try to make money, you got to use, you know, the biggest engine out there, which is ESPN, Disney, ABC. I mean, you gotta, you, you got you to get in bed with them. Otherwise, they'll throw reporters at you to make erroneous reports and then don't have to back it up or retract anything or, uh, you know, take anything back or apologize, even for that matter, about people's lives and careers that they've ruined. Um, so... To have, you know, Tom Brady give this 
interview and then not ask him anything other than what he has programmed you to ask them tells you everything you need to know about the amount of money that is being exchanged between the two entities that were involved in this interview. Tom Brady doesn't do interviews. You know, he doesn't. I don't think he does uh, the interviews uh, with like radio anymore. He used to do like a like a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning show uh, back in Boston. Obviously, he doesn't do that anymore because he's in Tampa. But I think he used to do a podcast with Jim Gray. I don't know if that's still going on. And even if it did, even if it does, I don't think Tom is you know really digging in deep to the decisions that uh, surrounded his return to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And was it because Bruce Arians? Now look, I've said on this show before. You know, Bruce used to live near near me, and we used to go to the same Mexican food place for lunch all the time. And I would see Bruce all the time. We'd sit there and we'd chew the fat, and uh, we'd uh, you know drink a couple pops and uh, enjoy some some good Mexican food, and just sit and chat and talk. Uh, and I like I, I I liked my time with with Bruce Arians very very much. I don't have an open line of communication to him, but I can tell you that I know him in a, in a you know in certain ways where. I, I I can read him pretty well. I, while I do believe that the health issues that he's been facing over the years did have a lot to do with his decision to step down, but it's hard to ignore that Tom Brady and Bruce Arians were going to butt heads because they're they're the two most dominant guys in the room. I'll tell you a quick story. I got I got to take a break, but I'll tell you a quick story here before we go to break. Mary's yelling at me already, but I'm gonna tell a story. I was talking with, with Mark Grace. I was having drinks with Mark Grace, and we're just chit-chatting about stuff. And he starts telling me the story about Tom Brady when he met Tom. They were at a, you know at a restaurant bar type place somewhere, and Tom Brady had recognized Mark Grace and was like, hey, come over here and, and sit with us. So Mark comes over and sits with them and stuff, and, he, and, and Tom introduces Mark to the people that he's sitting with. And there were several of his offensive linemen that he was with and some other people. And – one of the offensive linemen was getting a little offensive with his uh, with his banter. He had gotten he had, he had a few drinks in him, and was basically talking crap about baseball and baseball players and not real athletes. Oh, you play first base, you probably can play fifty pounds overweight. Blah 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 blah. Was being a real jerk. Okay, this is now this is from Mark Grace. Gracie's telling me this, and I don't know how drunk Mark was at the time. He probably doesn't remember the full story, but he may be elaborating somewhat. But nonetheless, it's the story they told me. And I'm going to share it with you. Tom Brady steps up, he says, excuse me, steps up and taps his offensive lineman on the shoulder and says, hey, I need to talk to you for a minute. Takes him off to the side into like a corner of the area, and I'm not kidding, folks, slaps this man across the face. I mean, full open hand slaps him across the face, gets in his face and is pointing in his chest. Then as he ushers him out, pushes him back towards the table, the offensive lineman sits down, looks at Mark Grace and says, Mr. Grace, I'm very sorry I've disrespected you. I would like to pick up your dinner tap for tonight, and I hope you will allow me to, to continue to sit here and, and, and converse with you. And Tom Brady sat down like nothing else happened. That's the kind of control Tom Brady has. Like slapped the taste out the mouth of one of his offensive linemen and made him apologize to somebody and pick up his dinner tab. <laughs> like you don't mess with Tom Brady. Like, he calls the shots. So knowing that and knowing Bruce the way that I do, I guarantee they butted heads. And the only thing 
that was going to get Tom back is if Bruce wasn't there anymore. And Bruce, having so much love for his two guys, for Byron Lefwich and for Todd Bowles, said it's better if I just step down. My health is bad anyways. Let's give Todd the head coaching job. We'll make sure that, uh, that Byron gets his head coaching job after this year with Brady. After Brady throws for 5,000 yards again, he's going to do it. Uh, and I'll just step down, and it'll be great. It'll be better for everyone. I could, I, I can almost guarantee that's how it went down. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We're going to return some more NFL talk next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Yeah, I know. I, I, I get it. I'm getting messages like, oh, you, you dropped something there. You dropped a couple of names there, Jeff. I, yeah, I get it. I do. I, I, I name drop from time to time. But I kind of feel like I have to because if I didn't, I would just be like, oh, the story was about Tom Brady slapping his offensive lineman at dinner. I got to give you some context, like where I got that from. So I'm not like, I'm not just like dropping names because you know whatever. Uh, I'm, I want you to know where the story came from, so that you know we can have some fun with it. It's just like fun little insight. These are stories that you can share too. Like you can't share them. You were there first person, but you can share these stories uh, with other people. Like oh, I heard on the radio this, uh, Jeff told me this uh, told a funny story about Mark Grace and at dinner with Tom Brady. The first time you met Tom Brady. He slapped his offensive lineman and made him apologize. It's funny stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I I will from time to time. Look, I, I, I'm going to be honest. Like, and this is this is not gloating. This is not grandstanding. This is not any of that. I have met a lot of people, a lot of you know famous people, not only just in sports but in music, in Hollywood, and a lot of the times I meet these people just by pure happenstance. Like some of the weird. Just like, okay, here's a, here's an interesting little tidbit. When I was, I think I was like five, I want to say, living in Tucson, where we lived. We lived in the in the neighborhood uh, behind the corner of Speedway and Wilmot. Lived behind the shopping center there, where you know the big shopping center, the Hallmark store and the Waterbed store. And the the movie theater was there for a while. And there was a round table pizza and all this stuff. Anyway, we lived, lived right behind there. The, the, our house backed up. We had a carport that backed up to the alley right there where the... Um, where the back of the shopping center was. I get woken up by my aunt one morning, and she's like, she goes, Jeff, get up. Burt Reynolds is in our backyard. And I'm like, what? And I'm a five years old, okay? <laughs> so she's like, get up and go ask this guy if he's Burt Reynolds. Go ask him for his autographs. I'm like, okay, so I get in my pajamas or whatever. I'm just a kid. I'm walking out there, and I go, hi, are you Burt Reynolds? And there's this guy leaning over our wall. With a cowboy hat, sunglasses, a little mustache. It's, it's, it's Burt Reynolds, okay? I don't know because I'm five years old. I'm just being told what to do. <laughs> I'm like, are you Burt Reynolds? And he's like, nah, kid, I'm just, I'm just his stunt double. Okay, so I go walking back. And I'm like, he says he's a stunt double. She goes, oh, that's bull crap. That's really him. So we go out there, okay, and they're filming Cannonball Run right behind the house. Those of you who lived in Tucson long enough know that Cannonball Run, large chunks of it were filmed in Tucson. So they're filming Cannonball Run right there, like where at the beginning of the movie where Shirley MacLaine and uh, Mary Lou Henner come out dressed as nuns. They stop by a hot dog stand. They leave this thing called Stage Door. That was the back door. They painted Stage Door on the back door of the waterbed store uh, to, to be like the set there. 
So we had our carport that opened up there. We opened up the carport, and there are celebrities everywhere. Now, it's a hot day, okay? It's in Tucson. It's a hot day. And these people are dressed in makeup and costume and stuff, and they want to get out of the sun. So they all start coming into our carport, which it's, you know, it's fully covered and everything, and it's nice and shady back there. So all of a sudden we have like, and I'm not, if you've seen the movie Cannonball Run, you know that it's, it's basically just, it's superstar after superstar of Hollywood in the late 70s and early 80s, just on top of one another. The cameos left and right, there's tons of stars. I've got, we've got Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin and, and uh, I mean, Jamie Farr and I can't even, Dom DeLuise, Burt Reynolds. I mean, they're all standing in our carport. We're just like talking with these people. Like it's, it was the craziest thing ever. Like, these are the things that happen in my life for no reason at all, other than just being in the right place at the right time. This has happened throughout my entire life. And it's not like I don't go seeking these people. And I've never once, honestly, I've never once asked for an autograph from anybody other than being asked to go get one. Like, we were on the same plane as Eddie Money once. And my uncle was like, go get Eddie Money's autograph. I'm like, I don't want to. They're like, go get his autograph. So I had him sign my little certificate. Because I was a kid, I had him sign. They used to hand you these flight certificates. Say, I flow on, you know, American Airlines, and I got my wings, and here's my little certificate. He signed my certificate, and when he dotted his eye, he punctured a hole in my paper, and I was upset. I was like, dude, why did you puncture a hole in my paper? But I got any money's autograph. I never ask for autographs. I never take – I rarely take pictures with, with celebrities, unless it's like somebody who – I'm completely awestruck by, like, when I met Jerry Rice, or, like, if it's, like, a good friend, like somebody who I've gotten to know over the years. Like, let's take a picture, man, you know, or people would just capture a picture of us. Anyway, I don't do it just to, like, grandstand or prop myself up or, like, you know, look at me, I'm hoity-toity. That is not the case at all. Like, those of you who know me, like, I'm not that person. (laughs) I just, I meet these people, and I end up in conversations because I'm extroverted. So I, I... I treat people, I treat everybody the same way. First of all, I treat everyone the exact same way. I don't treat anybody any differently than another person. There are times where I'm a little, a little, like, it happens rarely. Like, when I met Jerry Rice, I was like, he's my favorite player of all time. I grew up idolizing the guy. It was tough, like, being with Jerry Rice. Like, oh, my God, what do I do? What do I say? Don't say anything. Just keep your mouth shut. But for the most part, I just like, hey, man, I enjoyed your movie, you know, whatever. Oh, thanks. And then you start talking to them, and they're like, this person's treating me like a real person. I haven't had a conversation with like this in a while. And they end up just talking to you. Like, it's amazing. I have a picture with somebody who's, like, ridiculously famous. And people ask me all the time, they're like, dude, how did you get her to take a picture with you? I'm like, I asked her. <laughs> like, hey, uh, after talking with her for a few minutes, do you mind if we get a picture? Sure, no problem. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, I, you know, just treat them like regular people. I, I treat everybody the same. So, I, you know, I guess it's maybe that's part of it, but I don't know. But, again, like just having to live near Bruce Arians and eat lunch with him at the same Mexican food place, run into him, you know, you see somebody for three, four times, you know, in a, in a month or whatever at the same place, you're eventually just going to strike up conversation. He actually struck up conversation with me. I, didn't even, I wasn't even saying I was minding my own business. I'm like, I'm not going to get into conversation with Bruce Arians. Just leave it alone. He doesn't know who you are. Don't just leave it alone. Start talking to me anyways. It's fun, though. You know, you get you get to hear some things, and you're like, really? 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 <laughs> I like seeing behind the curtain, man. It's fun. Seeing who's moving all the levers and pushing the buttons and 
the knobs and all that stuff, like Wizard of Oz all over again. I love it. I'm a big Wizard of Oz fan, too. So there you go. You guys learn a lot about me today. I'm just I'm just rambling here. I'm not even talking sports. I'm just rambling. <laughs> Sorry about that. Mary's laughing at me, telling me to get off the air. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Maybe I will talk some sports in the final segment today, but nonetheless, we'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right. It's, we, have, we have gone off the rails here, but it's all right. Hey, listen, that's part of the beauty of having a talk show as opposed to just Jumping in every, you know, after every third song to be like, hey, uh, was so-and-so, be sticking around for the next uh, set of songs, da-da-da-da, right here on FM, you know, and moving on, and you guys don't get to know anything about me. Part of the beauty of having a sports talk show is I get to have, you know, personal moments with you guys and let you guys see behind the curtain a little bit as to what's going on, you know, in my brain and things that have gone on in my life. And that's okay. I don't mind sharing. I, I mean, there are, there are plenty of things that I won't be sharing. There are things that I keep sacred. But uh, nonetheless, I think it's, it's important to me that even though that we don't have, you know, a, a, uh, we don't have a, a call-in type show. Like, morning shows are terrible for call-ins. Like, it's been done before. It's been tried. Morning shows just don't do well for call-ins. Afternoon shows are perfect for call-ins. If we were doing an afternoon show, we'd have all kinds of call-ins and all kinds of weird conversations. But we don't. We have a morning show. So I only get one-way conversation with you. So I feel like interacting is important and letting you guys know a personal side of me. and th- you know things, things that allow you to know me a little bit better. And like I say all the time, like if you come to a game, if you come to a basketball game, unfortunately, I don't make you know appearances with the radio station uh, in Tucson because morning shows again don't get to do appearances. We don't get to go to breweries and drink beer and eat wings and stuff like the afternoon show does from three to six with Spears and Ali. So I, you know, I have to say, if you come to a game at McHale, come down and introduce yourself and say hello. I want to meet you. Like I really do. Like I, I'm genuinely interested in meeting you guys i want to know my listeners i want to know who's listening i want to know what you think of the show interact with me on twitter at uaz voice would love to hear from you some some of you i hear from all the time many of you i don't hear from ever (laughs) and look that's your prerogative that's fine uh again keep it respectful obviously and i'll i'll do the same um but i feel like letting you guys know who i am just allows you to connect with the show better and allows you to feel like you're in a comfortable space to listen and open up your mind a little bit more. And that's really what I'm honestly like. I'm not here for myself. Like I'm not here just to be like, I'm going to talk about sports for two hours in front of my red wall, my red soundproof wall in my office at my desk here, uh, you know, while shuffling papers around and, you know, all this stuff. Like, that's not why I do this. I do this to share stuff with you guys. And I would like for you to in turn, Likewise, share with me. And, uh, you know, again, we don't get to do call-ins and stuff like that. But, again, you can interact with the show via, via Twitter. And, uh, like I said, if you're at a game at McHale, if it's – if we're, you know, more than 45 minutes away from tip, because usually about 40 minutes is when I start to get busy with all the announcements and stuff, come down and say hello. Introduce yourself. Introduce your family. I love to meet you guys. So I'm sincere about that. Really, I mean that. Do it. Come down and say hello. I will not – 
I'm not an angry person. I'm not a scary person, although kids think I'm pretty scary. Just a big, big giant bear, big bear monster kind of person. I don't know. Um, Ian Rappaport says that Kyler Murray is not going to report to Arizona's voluntary workouts, Cardinals' voluntary workouts. That's fine. Aaron Rodgers is reporting to his. Uh, Russell Wilson, I don't think, is reporting to his. Baker Mayfield not going to report to the Browns. That's fine. But uh, it's it, you know it's, it's that time of year where people make mountains out of molehills like this. Kyler Murray will be there on the sideline. Of course, we'll talk with Tyler Drake, our Arizona Cardinals insider, tomorrow morning about things that are going on with the Arizona Cardinals, specifically with the draft coming up, who's been visiting the Cardinals. All right, we're going to wrap things up. That's going to be uh, it for today's show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for pushing all the buttons and keeping us on the air here. And, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in. Stay tuned for Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6. We've got Diamondbacks baseball coming up immediately after the show here, and I will see you guys again tomorrow morning right here at 7 a.m. for another edition of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.